Good morning, Bridge of Hope. Uh, glad to be with you again. I pray that you had a wonderful uh, July 4th weekend and uh, just a great time of celebrating with your families. Uh, welcome to everyone across North Carolina, North America, Canada, the world. Uh, we are just excited to worship the Lord together. Amen. Like you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter five. We are continuing in our series of the marks of kingdom citizens. And with this second, uh, this second part of this. Uh, and we are reading, I'll read just from verses one through four. It says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And today, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. I want to speak to you on this title. Blessed are the mourners. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you today that in your love, in your great call towards us, you blessed us. You have caused us to be whole and complete and declared acceptable in your sight where all the blessings of the kingdom are at our disposal. We are blessed. And now, Lord, I ask as we look into this great paradox of mourning that you would open our eyes, that we, were one, that we would see wonderful truths of your word and that your word would dwell richly in us and would cause us to abound in you and in this world that others might come into your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Blessed are the mourners. So we continue our series on the marks of the kingdom citizens by looking at another paradoxical kingdom truth that Jesus taught his disciples. Paradoxical, something that sounds nonsensical and yet upon further study or review is founded in truth. It's like saying less is more. It's like saying the enemy of my enemy is my friend. It's like saying the more you give is the more you receive. These are paradoxes and yet uh, they are so founded in truth. And so Matthew 5 and 4, blessed are those who mourn. That that. that that is amazing. Blessed are those who mourn. Uh, if I can phrase it another way. Oh, how wonderful is the state of those who weep over what they have lost. Woo! I've lost something. Thank God for his greatness, his goodness, his love to me. I am wonderful in the Lord because I have suffered loss. That, that, that sounds odd, no? Did Jesus really mean this? Blessed are the mourners? To mourn means to suffer loss, to weep and wail over our loss, to lament or be in anguish of soul, regretting what we have lost. 
Is Jesus saying mourning is a good thing? Bridge of Hope, I want to say that not only is Jesus saying that those who mourn are doing a good thing, but he's also saying that no one who is in his kingdom goes without mourning. Oh, this is a problematic thing because we live in an anti-mourning culture. Mourning, uh, mourning at, at, at its core is a refusal to deny our loss. It's a refusal to ignore our pain. It's a refusal to erase our suffering or the agony in the place that we have suffered loss. And so when we mourn, we embrace the fact that I have lost something and that and I'm regretting what is taking place and I'm in anguish of soul over what has happened. That's mourning. But our culture does not embrace mourning. Can we just be honest about that? The idea of people dying, the idea of being around dead people, the idea of going to funerals now, the idea of passing cemeteries, we we, we just can't get it. We can't get with it. We have an anti-mourning culture. We want to forget the pain. We want to deaden its impact. Last week or a couple of weeks ago, a young lady, Shikari Richardson, the 100 meter, the 100 meter female sprinting phenom was disqualified from the United States Olympic team because she took marijuana, which was a banned substance, not because it helped her in competition, but it's a banned because it was it is commonly viewed as um, not it's not a good thing to ingest in one's body. That is the, that is the view of the Olympic committee. Uh, and, and in general, we encourage people not to take marijuana. So I don't want to communicate something other that as well. And, but she took marijuana knowing that it was against the rules and knowing that it would show up in her system. And knowing that it would possibly disqualify her from the Olympic competition. Why did she take it? She took it because her mother died. Her biological mother died. And the pain, the anguish of soul was so great. She, she, she felt like she needed something to cope. And so marijuana, which is known to help us feel less pain or to make physical and mental and emotional pain more bearable, they take it. Can I tell you something? Proverbs speaks about uh, taking uh, things to dull our pain. Proverbs 31, 6, and 7. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to the one who is bitter and distressed. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. In other words, what the scripture is not saying that if you are suffering physical pain, you should not take medication. The, The scripture is saying the whole idea of trying to escape suffering and pain in this world 
uh, is not normal. It's not biblical. It, 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 and, and so we live in a culture where we want, we don't want to mourn. We don't want to suffer loss that is normative for people. We don't want to remember the pain, but pain is human. Pain, uh, mourning is human. Mourning is healthy. And I want to even go as far as to say mourning is Christian. In fact, something is wrong if you can't mourn, if you can't cry, if you can't express the anguish of soul, something is wrong with us. And I, and I think this is clear because we can see it in Jesus. Hebrews chapter five, verse seven, part of that verse says this, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. He literally bawled and wailed before the Lord as he wrestled with the loss and the pain in this world. Luke 19, 41 and verse 44. Listen to his lament, his mourning. When he drew near and saw the city, that city was Jerusalem, he wept over her. He wept over this city. Look at verse 44. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. He is mourning over the imminent collapse of Jerusalem because they rejected God's servant. And he's mourning the pain that is going to come. He is in anguish of soul of knowing that people's lives will be destroyed because of the choices that they made. Matthew 23, verse 37 and 38. Listen again, again. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing see your houses left to you desolate. You think it's good for me to see you suffer in Jerusalem? I don't want to see this. It's killing me. I can't believe I, I, he's wailing. He's, there's a woe. There's a suffering. There's a mourning. And he's crying. He's expressing it. There's anguish of soul. Matthew 27 verse 46. He's on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not just crying out because of the pain on the cross. He's crying because of the loss. He's mourning the loss of his heavenly father, of the father who turned his back because sin was placed on Christ, the sin of us all. Christ cries out, you've forsaken me. John 11 and 35, that famous verse when he comes to the burial ground of Lazarus and he says, Jesus wept is the scripture. He wept. And you know why he wept? Not merely because his friend was dead, because he's about to bring Lazarus back to the dead. I believe he wept because of the hopelessness. He looked around and saw the mourners and saw the sisters with it, with, overwhelmed with unbelief that there was any hope for their brother. He realized, my God, they, this world does not trust you does not know you, does not believe in you, God. Even those who should, he wept, he mourned. And I want you to see something in Jesus' mourning. He noticed 
In his mourning, he does not model complaining. He does not model negativity or pessimism or fatalism or misery. He models mourning. He, he wails because of the loss that, that is hurting him. He's cognizant of what should not be, and therefore he laments that. God's kingdom citizens have this in common with our king, with their king. We mourn. What should we mourn, church of God? Bridge of hope. What should we mourn? If the blessed ones are mourners, then what we should mourn? There are three things I want to highlight to you. I believe we must mourn sin and rebellion. We must, when Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, one of the things he's saying, blessed are those who mourn sin, who mourn rebellion. Look at Psalm 119 and 136. Rivers of waters run down my eyes because your people keep not or do not observe your law, your word. We mourn when we see people turning against the word of God, calling what is not right, right, and calling what is right, wrong, and, and walking in disobedience before God, ignoring what he has said because we want to please ourselves. And he, the, the, the scripture, the psalmist says, we should be crying when we see this. We should be moved in our heart and angry in our soul, not angry in terms of I want to hurt you. No, but we should be broken in our heart because we are seeing something that's not good and it should tear us up inside. James chapter four, verse eight and 10 lets us know that we must mourn sin and rebellion, but not merely the sin and rebellion of just other people like we just saw, but we must mourn our sin. My God, look at what he says. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, Trevor, you sinner, and purify your heart, Trevor, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. In other words, when we say we just want to come into God's house and we just want to praise him. He said, listen, I want you first to think about your life. I want you to think about your thoughts. I want you to think about your actions. I want to think about your decision. I want you to think about my will and whether or not your will is against my will. And if it's against my will, I want you to mourn your sin before me. I want you to mourn your rebellion before me because it is horrific in the eyes of our God. Mourn sin and rebellion. Blessed are those that mourn their sin and the sins of the world. Bridge of Hope, we cannot be comfortable with sin, neither ours or anyone else's. I believe when he says, blessed are those who mourn, I believe he's saying mourn the absence of the kingdom of God. Remember in chapter four, he began to preach, repent, repent for the kingdom of God is here. And he wants people to turn 
from their sin that they might enter into his kingdom. And so I believe he wants his disciples to mourn the absence of the kingdom of God. When you walk around in this world, I want you to mourn the fact that this world has lost their righteous king. The king of this world, the prince of this air is the devil and they're following him into all ungodliness and all wickedness. And I want you to mourn because the true king is not the world's king. I want you to mourn that they lost the kingdom of God. They were in a right relationship with God under the reign of God, under the reign of Christ. And they walked away in rebellion. They chose their own way. They lost the home that God wanted for them. That's why in Matthew chapter six, verse 10, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. Pray this. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is my prayer, father, your kingdom come because when I look around I recognize this world is not your kingdom it's not that you're not in charge it's not that you don't have authority it's that they're living in rebellion and I'm mourning the fact that the beauty of your kingdom is not embraced they are rather choosing to embrace a kingdom that is below yours we mourn that Jesus is not here. That's when we say thy kingdom come. We're saying the king is not in charge here. That's why there's corruption. That's why the poverty is the way it is. That's why the sickness, the hopelessness, the hatred, the racism, the inequity, the immorality, the abortion, the sexism, you name it, this world is corrupt and fallen. Why? Because it's not God's kingdom. It's not under the reign of God. We have chosen our own happiness above the pleasure of God, not his will. You look at our world and you see a kingdom of the devil. We mourn not just these things, but that they point to the fact that the kingdom is not here. In other words, we're not just saying, oh, it's hard. Uh, we're mourning because people are having abortion. No, we're not just mourning the act of that sin. We are mourning what that sin points to. God is not your king. The one who loves you and is in charge and will lead you into good. This is why we don't just drive through bad neighborhoods. We mourn. We don't just walk past ICU, ICU units. We mourn. We don't just turn the channel during the news reporting about a rape or reporting about a, an abusive action. We mourn. Church, we don't just ignore racism or ignore sexism. We mourn. God's kingdom is not here, so we mourn. Third thing we mourn is the absence of the Holy Spirit. I'm reminded of this passage in Judges chapter 16, verse 20. You've heard of Samson and Delilah. Delilah was tricking Samson into revealing to the um, Philistines the source of his strength. And Samson was kept breaking the law, kept breaking the law, kept breaking the law. And the source of his strength was his hair. And when he told it to Delilah, Delilah cut his hair and then told the Philistines, come and get him. 
And when the Philistines came in, the Bible tells us in Judges 16 that Samson got up expecting the Holy Spirit, the power of the Lord to be upon him. The problem was he did not have the Lord with him. He did not have the presence of the Holy Spirit with him. The power of the Holy Spirit was not with him. I want you to know we need to mourn the absence of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, the Bible tells us that one of the things that Jesus teaches his disciples, he says this. He says this in verse 14, uh, verses 16 and 17. He says, I will ask the father and he will give you God's people, another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be with and will be in you. He said the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. We ought to mourn because the Holy Spirit who God wants to send cannot come because we want to embrace the world and not God. The Holy Spirit can't fill us because we want to turn from God's will and do our own will. And listen, I want you to know God's desire is that we will have the Holy Spirit. That's why Ephesians chapter four, verse 30 says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit who sealed you for the day of redemption. When God comes back, he's looking for people who have the Holy Spirit. What grieves the Holy Spirit? Do you understand that? Because listen, we don't want to be a people that are living in opposition to the Holy Spirit. What makes the Holy Spirit mourn? Oh my God. Listen, there's nothing worse than going somewhere that the Holy Spirit does not dwell. There's nothing worse than, than knowing that the Holy Spirit is not here. I've been to churches and I'm telling you, the building itself, the temperature was not cold, but the room was spiritually dead. There is nothing worse than not feeling the Holy Spirit. Listen, we have the Holy Spirit at salvation and we are declared righteous. That, that, that doctrine of justification and the sealing of the Holy Spirit at salvation. There's a declaration of God's righteous work and the sealing of the Spirit in our lives. And then, and then there is also the knowledge of the Holy Spirit that, that we're learning, that we're growing and understanding. But not only should it be in our minds and not only should it be declared, but I want to tell you something. You should feel the Holy Spirit. You should feel his presence. You should feel his love. You should sense his power. You should Feel his will. I'm telling you today, we should mourn when there is no sense that the presence of God is here. God's desire for your neighbor is that they would have the Holy Spirit. I know we don't think of it like that, but I'm telling you, the spirit of God is so important because he represents the very spirit of the living God, the presence of the living God. He is with us in the stead of Christ. And when his presence is not felt, when it's dry and dead, and I'm not talking about the kind of service in terms of styles, I'm talking about there's no sense that the living God is in our midst. When you don't think God will speak to you, when you don't feel the 
words that you're singing are true in you. I'm reminded of Jeremiah when he said, I tell you, I was hurting, so I didn't want to speak your word. But when I thought I could just do my own thing, I couldn't because your word was in me like fire shut up in my bones. When the Holy Spirit is in us, church, when the Holy Spirit is among us, it's going to be like fire. We have got to praise him. We've got to worship. We've got to love one another. We've got to forgive one another. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit. But church, when there is no sense of his presence, we should mourn. Hallelujah. We should mourn because it's not normal to be God's church and for us not to be aware that his spirit is not with us. We ought to be grabbing the carpet and grabbing the floor and crying out to the Spirit of God. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. Change me. Transform me. I cannot stay like this. I need strength. I need power. I need help. Help, Holy Spirit. We should be crying out. Mourning our impotence, our lack of power. Do you know how to mourn? It's simple. And he says, blessed are they that mourn. Jesus is really calling us to weep, to pray, to weep, to fast over what's missing. When he's saying mourn, pray, cry out to God, God, please I'm lose, I've lost something. I've lost your word. I've lost my passion. Lord, I'm, I'm, Lord, I've, I've been walking away from you. Lord, my, my, my neighborhood does not have your name in it. My neighborhood is unrighteous and wicked. God, I'm mourning the wicked presence that dwells there. It should not be there. I'm broken by it. It should cause us to fast. Turn over food. Say, I can't eat when this neighborhood is like this. I can't be satisfied. No, weep, pray, fast. Regret what we see. In other words, remember and know that what we are experiencing right now is not good. We should mourn. That's why when we see wrong, when we see evil, we must see it. Don't sometimes when we see evil, we want to turn back and act like I didn't see it. And oh, I just can't handle seeing stuff like that. No, see it. See it. That wicked thing. I'm not saying if it's for pleasure. I'm saying see what's done because that thing must stain your mind and draw and bring you to your knees and make you pray like never before. And feel and agonize. When we see sin, when we see wickedness, when we see evil, when we see hurt and shame, we must mourn and feel what is lacking in this world. Feel. Don't deny it. Don't try to act like it's not there. No, God, this thing's got to go. See, this morning is important because what it gives way to. See, when we feel the pain and loss, this kind of mourning 
cause us to hope. God, our hope is in you. God, I trust in you. God, I'm waiting on you. God, I'm going to endure until this changes. And look what Psalm 30 and 5 says. Weeping may endure for a night. Mourning may endure for a night. The judgment of God may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. They, they that mourn shall be comforted is what, uh, what Matthew says, what Jesus taught us. Mourning gives way to comfort. Mourning gives way to joy. Mourning causes, gives way to singing and freedom and dancing. Death will turn into life. Sickness will turn into health. Poverty will turn into generosity. Wickedness will turn into righteousness. Hate will turn into love. In the comfort of God's kingdom. Hallelujah. We mourn because one day it's going to break forth into comfort. One day the earth is going to open and the same place where we saw suffering and degradation and pain and wickedness, that same earth is going to sprout comfort, sprout deliverance in the same place of your mourning is the place of your dancing. It's the place of your freedom. It's the place of your joy. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I love Joel chapter 2, verse 25 and 26. What does it say? I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, the cutter, my great army which I send among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never again be put to shame. He says, I will restore in the place where you were mourning your loss. It's the place you're going to shout for joy because the Lord has provided for you because the Lord it's comforting you because the Lord has changed your mourning into dancing. Yes, mourning gives way to comfort. Look with me at Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 61, that famous verse. Look at verse. It says in the year that the, it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound. That's verse one, right? But look at verse two. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance. He has called me to proclaim comfort to all who mourn. Look at this. To grant to those who mourn in Zion. He says, I'm going to give them beautiful headdress, headdress instead of ashes. I have been down, I have been gowned and dressed in, in depression, in, 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 in mourning clothes, but God is going to change my clothes. Let me tell you something about the king. The blessed ones have a king who makes way for their comfort. He's going to change your garments. He's going to change your sound. The Bible says the garments, he says the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they might be called oaks of righteousness, which tells us that sometimes in mourning, we mourn so hard, we become weak. But he says, I'm going to take that spirit of faintness, that spirit of weakness, and I'm going to make you like an oak tree. I'm going to give you strength. So in the place of your weakness will become the place of your strength. Our mourning shall give way to strength. Yes. Yes. 
And I love in that verse in 60, chapter 61, the end of verse three, he says, those who are the oaks of righteousness, he calls them the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. And I, and I love that. When he calls them the planting of the Lord, when God is saying, I'm going to plant you, the images of something that will not just come up for a season, but it will be eternal. God is saying here to us, your comfort will be for eternity, which says mourning is temporal. Comfort is eternal. That your mourning lasts but for a night. Isn't that beautiful? Our God will cause our mourning to give way to comfort. And that's why he says, blessed are the ones who mourn because they will experience the awesome comfort of the king. Yes. So when, when will our mourning give way to comfort? Our mourning will give way to comfort after we've mourned. You can't, you can't, you can't change the reality of this. You must mourn. We must fast. We must take a stand against sin in our lives and in our culture and say, this is not acceptable. No, that doesn't mean walking around with a picket sign. That does not mean standing and calling people's names. That's not of God's spirit. No, he's saying in your heart, hate sin in your heart. Turn away from it, be grieved by it and desire and pray for the righteousness of God to overcome this evil. When will our mourning give way to comfort? Not only after we have properly mourned, but when we see the Lord has our joy. In other words, when we see the Lord who we are crying out to in our mourning is the one who changes things. He turns our mourning into dancing. When we recognize, Lord, I know what I'm going through right now, but my help comes from the Lord. I will look up to the hills because that's where my help is coming from. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. It doesn't matter what's going on right now. My help is God come no matter what. I will trust in God. Your mourning will give way to comfort when you see that God has your joy, has your comfort. Your mourning will give way to comfort now that God has given us mission. It's very important. When will comfort come? When will we be comforted? When we mourn over the condition that we see, over the tragedy and the travesty taking place in our world, and we pick up the mission of Christ of the kingdom. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He anoints me to preach. He anoints me to, to comfort the brokenhearted. When I recognize in the brokenness of the world, I have a mission. That's when comfort is coming. I love what John Piper says. I've said it before. Mission exists where the worship of Christ does not. Listen to that. Mission exists where the worship of Christ does not. And why is this important? Because in where I see darkness, I mourn over the darkness. Where I see brokenness, I mourn over brokenness. Where I see fallenness and sin and evil and wickedness, I mourn over that. And in that place, when I see what is broken, 
I say God must be glorified in this brokenness, in this place. This cannot stay like this. Thy kingdom come, almighty God. Your will in this place be done. I want you to know, how do you think we got our hospitals? Christians were praying and fasting and in the midst of this sick despair, they raised up hospitals. Where do you think we first got our schools? Our schools did not come from secular institutions. Our schools came from God's people who said we must educate the, the kids who are going to jobs but do, cannot read and cannot write. Where do we see that God is changing the culture and comforting when God's people recognize in the drought of this world, my God gave me a mission with the gospel of Jesus Christ to call people in repentance out of the worldliness and into the kingdom of God. Mourning gives way to comfort when I see God raising up a generation to serve in the midst of what we're mourning in. That's why the gospel is ultimately what comforts. And lastly, when will our mourning give way to comfort, not just here, but in also in the hereafter? In other words, soon, when he returns, when the king returns. Soon! When the king returns, which lets us know that there's some things that we're mourning over in this world will not be addressed until New Jerusalem comes in its total fulfillment. Look at Revelations 21 and 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anywhere for the former things have passed away. And the one who sits on the throne says, behold, I am making all things new. You can write it down, he says. Bridge of Hope. God says, those who are in his kingdom, the blessed ones who are poor in spirit, they mourn like Jesus mourned. Bridge of Hope, when you watch the news, when you go outside, when you look around your neighborhood, when you go to work, when you hear the conversations, when you turn on the media, turn on the entertainment, you see something that should cause us to mourn. Let's not complain. Let's not be miserable. Let's not be fatalistic. Let's mourn in hope of the one who comes to comfort. Because Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Today I call you, I call you to the kingdom of God. Mourn over your sin. Mourn over the sin of our world. Let's turn to the king and say, Jesus, this is not what you want of me and not what you want in this world. We come to you, O King. Father, today, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we say, come, O mighty King. This world, we need you. 
I need you. We need you. This world needs you. My neighborhood needs you. Ooh, my institutions need you. God, today we pray. Come. We are sick and dying. We are killing each other. We are hating one another. We are denying our evil in our own hearts. We are ignoring the brokenness that we have caused and our neighbors have caused. We are overlooking the pain of one another, not caring, not loving. God, today we mourn. We recognize the immorality, the uncleanness, the wickedness, the lawlessness. We mourn it and we bow down to you and say, Christ, you are king. We surrender to you. We mourn. We wail. We turn from what grieves you. Blessed are they that mourn. For you promise we shall be comforted. Help us to pray, God. Help us daily to turn from what grieves you in hope of your comfort. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.